Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. What is leverage? It's a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively. And it's what you're going to need to get ahead in the new music business. Your talent and your potential, the diamond in the rough thing, used to work. It used to be the way to go, but now it's not. You're going to have to do a little bit more, whether you're a songwriter, whether you're an artist, to get ahead and to prove that what you do has value and that you're good. And when you have social proof and everybody else can see it, then you're going to get, when you're going to get the publishing deal, that's when you're going to get the record deal, the booking agent, the management company, and all that's why we called it the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. You see how that all just smoothed right together? Hmm. That's a word, man. That's Mr. Brent Baxter, my co-host and good friend. He's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro. And then he on the regular connects you with the pros to give you a shot to make a relationship. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artist by making them discoverable. They've also created multiple tour opportunities and through the power of digital marketing data, they've attracted a number of investors for their artists. Investors love money or they, well, they love giving money when the numbers are good and the numbers don't lie because numbers can't talk. And I kind of love that, but it's true. <laughs> anyway, you can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production singular, no S and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D and Johnny D. I need some more coffee. Yep. <laughs> yes, you do. How you been, brother? Busy, you know, chasing five kids around. It does that yep. to you, but your life is good. Legged man in a butt kicking contest. Exactly. <laughs> but life is good, man. Well, right on. Um, what are we going to learn today, sir? We are going to talk about, uh, and this is you know, a question that's coming through the climb community, through uh, songwriting pro community from time to time. How long should it take you to write a song? There we go. So, yeah. Is there such a thing as writing it? too fast or too slow um you know and so i figure if one person worries about it and wonders about it then probably a lot of people out there who wonder about this so we're just going to dive in and we'll give you my take on it how long should it take you to write a song well stay tuned here's how long (laughs) yeah well first let's get to some business then get that out of the way the client podcast is proud to partner with disc makers who have been supporting indie musicians before indie music was even a thing When you're ready to make CDs, DVDs, vinyl, or distribute your music and videos with customized USBs, DiscMakers.com is the only place you need to go, and that's D-I-S-C-Makers.com. That's right, and while you're there, click on the Guides and Resources tab and download some of their excellent free guides. They've just revised and expanded their home studio handbook, which has a ton of great advice and information for newbies and for studio veterans. You can find them online at www.discmakers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. That's awesome. And join the climb community. If you haven't done so already, guys, we are about to break a thousand on Mm -hmm. that. We probably already broke a thousand by now. Uh, By the time this airs. Yeah. By the time this airs Uh, every, every week, get brand new people in there. Everybody's really warm and welcoming and they're asking questions and they're answering questions and Brent and I are too. So it's a Mm -hmm. great place to kind of 
get into an active community. It's about songwriting. It's about marketing. Just be good boys and girls or you will be roadhouse. We want you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcast. So that's right. make sure you get every single episode in line and that way you can consume them the way you want. Take 30 seconds, leave a rating and review. And then the last thing is the best compliment that you can give Brent and I would be to tell somebody about it. If it's an episode that spoke to you or the whole podcast, you're loving it, then shout it from the treetops. Tell a friend, put us out on your social media, let people know why you like it, and they're going to check it out too. Is that right? That is right. I think we actually do have a, a review that we're going to share here. We normally hop on over to iTunes, but this one is actually from Stitcher. That's so right. Thank you to all you Stitcher heads, Stitcher folks, Stitcher rights, Stitcher, yeah. And stuff. Stitcher britches. Stitcher, Stitcher. I like yeah. Stitcher britches. <laughs> Stitcher I just rolls off the tongue. All you Stitcher <laughs> britches out there. I said britches as in pants. Don't. There you go. On this, episode. this is actually uh, well, uh, complete transparency. This is this is actually from a, a good friend of ours, uh, Miss Neil Skyler. Hey, Neil. Five star review. Um, I've produced her. You've written with her. Mm-hmm. It says behind the scenes information. Johnny and Brent are smart and to the point. I love these podcasts. Funny too. Oh, that's good. Well, thank you, Neil. What does she mean? Like we're amusing? I'm funny to her? Like a clown? Like am I amusing? What do I amuse you? You think I'm funny? Like a clown? So let's uh, t- talk to me. Like how long is it supposed to take to write a song? Well. I'm wondering how much time I need to set aside. Here, here's my answer. Mm-hmm. Writing the song takes as long as it takes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, okay. Let's read the outro. Tell your friends. (laughs) We'll see you at the top. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the deal. So you're listening to this. So you're, you're climbing and and you're on your journey and you're listening to podcasts and you're probably reading blogs and, and Facebook groups and whatever. And you probably run into people who give some really shoddy advice. Like if any, they're probably, I've seen it out there. People's like, it should only take you 30 minutes to write a song. It should only take you this long to write a song or it should never take less than three hours to write a song or all that stuff. Listen, that's BS. You need to ignore them. They're not correct and they're not being helpful. Okay. There's a lot of bad advice out there. So don't, I don't want you feeling like you're less of a songwriter or not a real songwriter. If it takes you 25 minutes to write a song instead of 20. Okay. Just put that on the shelf. You don't need to worry about those people don't know what they're talking about. Just putting that to rest. Okay. Yeah, they say it should take 10 hours to write a song. No, it takes as long as it takes. Yeah. Don't let that, don't let let what they say worry. Okay. So here's the deal. I mean, some people, maybe they get their best work done within a certain time frame. But the thing is that that's about them and they aren't you. You should take as much time or as little time to write a song as the song dictates. I'm going to give you a couple little stories. Okay. A couple of examples. Some classic country songs. Stand by your man, but not by your clock, okay? So you've, I'm sure, hopefully you've heard the country standard, Stand by Your Man, written by Tammy Wynette and Billy Sherrill. You know how long it took them to write Stand by Your Man? It took them about 15 minutes to write Stand by Your Man. I think. It's crazy. Yeah. But you know what? They aren't you. Okay, that's the lesson you take away. Okay, Tammy Wynette, you ain't Tammy. If you are, call me. Okay, The House That Built Me was not built in a day. Tom Douglas and Alan Shamblin kept going back to The House That Built Me, you know, periodically for 
several years before they finally got it right and got it recorded. And it's a new country classic, a new standard that won both the ACM and CMA Song of the Year. But you know what? Tom Douglas and Alan Shamblin, they aren't you either. So these are kind of polar opposites, right? One classic standard written in 15 minutes, one classic standard that they had to go back to and back to and back to over like eight years or something. The point of that is that great songs don't have a certain deadline. I'll give you some of my examples, all right? So, uh, Monday Morning Church. So, my biggest song so far, top five country hit. I started that lyric in the spring of 1999. It wasn't finished until Christmas of 2001. So, like a year and a half, two years almost. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of had what I had, would go back, polish it a little bit, show it to some co-writers. It just didn't click, whatever. Finally showed it to Aaron. She nailed it. Boom. But that was almost two years, right? Every Head Bowed, which is a Randy Travis cut, was on, ended up being on a record of his called Around the Bend, which won a, a, a GMA, like Gospel Music Association Album of the Year Award. It was on that record. Brandon Kinney and I wrote it in one session. So a couple hours. I don't know how many hours, two, three, I'm not hmm. sure, but it was one day. We wrote it, laid down the work tape, and then later demoed it and stuff. But the writing was done in one day. Crickets, uh, which I wrote with Lisa Schaefer and Bill White was recorded by Joe Nichols, wrote that in a day. They'd had the title um, for a little bit. I'm not sure how long. And then they called me up and we got together, but they didn't have a concept for it yet, really. And so we, we did the writing. It was a day. I mean, it was a session. So it was probably started about 10 and we're probably done by about two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Although I can't remember exactly, but that was one, a one session write. And I don't think we really tweaked anything. We just guitar vocaled it and pitched it around. It got cut. So, mm-hmm. You know, morning, morning, Monday morning. That's the way they cut the song too, wasn't it? Like, you what? That's the way they cut the song on the record. Was pretty, yeah. Joe cut it pretty, pretty, uh, pretty stripped down, like the like the guitar vocal was. I mean, a little more uh, production instrumentation, not, but not not a great deal more. But so those songs of mine, which have been cut, one kind of hacked at for a couple of years, and one, you know, the other two were pretty fast. You know, one day. But as we talked about, uh, I think before your, your David Lee Roth episode, you know, he talked about running with the devil took 18 minutes to write, but yeah, took his whole life plus 18 minutes. Yeah. And that's how I mean, it was for me in those songs. I learned um, from my manager when I was an artist, because I had like some, I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but I, I put, I was putting a lot of weight on for whatever reason, trying to compare myself to, the way other people wrote and, mm-hmm. and how other people heard. And she was yeah. like, man, everybody does it different, you know? Yeah. Like there's, there's people that, that write, we've talked about this before, but Kim Tribble, mm-hmm. when I first came to town, I met Kim Tribble. He's got a bunch of number ones and yeah, he's great, mm-hmm. a great guy, super, super nice guy. Just was just a sweetheart to me. And he told me he writes 12 songs a week. And I was like, dude, what? 12 songs a week. He's like, yeah, I don't get excited. They all suck. Yeah, it takes me like <laughs> it takes me like you know three weeks of writing crappy songs to get to one good one. And I was like, yeah, oh, okay, okay, and, yeah. And then and then I met another guy. His name was Tommy, and I can't remember his last name, but he was a writer. I think he had some cuts too. When I first moved to Nashville, I I, I bartended at the Bullpen, which was under the Stockyard, the restaurant at the Stockyard. And that was a Buddy Killen property. It was a uh-huh. And uh, I mean, the, the house band there was like ridiculous. There <laughs> and it's Val Tomlin, who's uh, um, 
Winona's bass player now. Yeah. Micah Roberts, who I'm actually going to be working with this weekend coming up, uh, singing background. She sings background for Toby Keith now. She used to sing background for Faith. I mean, like, Mm. it was an all-star cast before they were all-stars, you know, kind of thing. Man, he he would write, he told me, he's like, I'll write, you know, nine or ten songs a year, but they're all good. You know what I mean? Like, there's no (laughs) soul killer, no filler. And he wasn't lying. Like, he was being real. Like, Mm. so it it just is, it's, I, I think it's important that you just, that you're doing the work. And and that you're moving forward and not sort of putting too much stock into comparing the methodology, right? Yeah. Unless it's like a learning, unless it's a curiosity thing where you're like, oh, well, they they wrote it this using this method. Like, you know, David mm-hmm. Bowie has a thing which you would never do in country, but where he would write out a lyric and then he would cut up the words into pieces and then move the pieces around and come up mm-hmm. with some wild different ways of saying stuff that he never thought of by, by mm-hmm. doing that. He's sort like, of remember that magnet poetry, refrigerator magnet poetry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See those things, you know, it had just the, yeah. the words and these little magnets, and you stick them on your fridge, you move them around, make little poetry or whatever. Those are fun. I mean, that's uh, it's almost that, you know, just yeah, it's exactly what together and, and that is exactly way. that. This is magnet. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, whatever gets you going, and you know. I was thinking about Bob McDill when you're talking about some people write it, you know, Kim Tribble writes 12 songs a week and other people write, you know, a few songs, less songs than that in a year. Bob McDill, he would, he was kind of famous for, he'd go in and he was mostly a solo writer and he wrote all he's he's country music songwriting hall of fame member. So he wrote gone country for Alan Jackson. He wrote a bunch of stuff for, uh, for Don Williams. Like, you know, I think he wrote, I believe in love and good old boys like me and so many classic songs. Yeah. And, you know, and baby's got her blue jeans on too. So not just deep stuff like good old boys like me, but also no, not baby's got it. I think it was that or she don't know she's beautiful, but yeah, just some simple stuff. I think baby's got her blue jeans on. Anyway, I think he would go, what I heard, he'd go in on Monday and he'd <clears> work on a song till Thursday. So he worked on like four straight days. And then on Friday he'd do the, like the guitar vocal of it. So he's That's his routine. Song a week and he, but he'd dive in deep. Yeah, are crafted. Even if they're fun little things like "Baby's Got Her Blue Jeans On," or if it's you know serious art like "Good Old Boys Like Me," so people yeah. do their different ways of working. And and you know, and I I see this stuff too. You hear interviews about authors or or other creatives, and you know, can get into the really minutia. Like, what do you eat for breakfast? What do you do here? What do you do there? And it's like it doesn't matter what I do because what yeah. I do may not work for you. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you copy the wrong things like, well, so, you know, Craig Wiseman always has two eggs over easy and fruit loops for breakfast. <laughs> that's how you write a so hit song. I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I don't think that's the important part. I think the important part is he works <laughs> his butt off and he finds out what works for him. And there's, you know, there are things you can glean from, from other success, you know, success leaves clues, but you got to be careful about just what clues you're looking at. You know, if he wrote live like you were dying in four hours and 45 minutes or who knows, whatever, then you got to think, well, that's what I need to do. No, that's not the part. That's not the lesson you need to take from that. Yeah. The lesson maybe you need to take is he stuck with it and he wrote the heck out of it, you know? So, yeah. and there are a couple of warnings that I'm going to give you too, that about, you know, it takes as long as it takes. And the first one is you want to avoid shallow thinking. All right, so you don't want to be in such a hurry to finish every song that you don't really dig into them. If you just want to write songs, then I, 
I guess it doesn't matter how much effort you put in. If the goal is to write songs, then hey, might as well do it with as little effort as possible. Congratulations, right? But if you want to write great songs and commercially competitive songs, it's going to take work. And so don't hear the advice of, hey, it takes as long as it takes as an excuse to be lazy and to not put in the work. You yeah. know, so you still have to be a craftsman. Sometimes it comes together yeah. quicker than other times. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay, back to the stand by your man. Okay, it took them 15 minutes and whatever. No, it took their whole lives plus 15 minutes. They'd been working on the craft. Or you hear, you know, other hit songs that are like, well, I wrote, you know, Tony Arata wrote the dance in like 30 minutes in a laundromat or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, but how, how many songs they've been writing before that? So when it comes out, it's crafty. He's done the work. He's done the work. He's done the work. He's done the work. You know? Yeah. He knows how to craft. Hey, my first song, I've never taken me over 30 minutes to write a song. Eh. Okay. Probably <laughs> yeah, right, right off the bat, you go in this pile over here. <laughs> yeah. You're probably just skipping stones right across the surface. You know, mm-hmm. and probably none of them are great. If you do the work and put in the hours, then sometimes you can kick out something great in a few minutes. Yeah, but you got to do the work. Don't think just because someone wrote a great song in 30 minutes that you can do that. Probably not. So, um, you know, that hit song that was written in 20 minutes wasn't their first song or probably anywhere in their first hundred songs. They'd written a bunch of songs by that point. So they were able to work more efficiently, right? Not having to think about structure, rhyme scheme, and all this, the basic stuff that they had to learn in all those hours before that. It was kind of built into their writing at that point, it's kind of like you're trying to hit a home run. You keep doing the craft, you keep doing the craft, you learn all this stuff. Like, oh, I don't have to think so much about rhyme scheme, about what that even means. So now I'm getting to start off on first base. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get a homer and I'm starting off on first base. And then you work and you start learning how to incorporate your heart into that craft and, and how to structure songs in a more competitive basis where you don't even have to think about that as much. And now you're starting off on second base. You know, it's all that work. So then you're like, oh, man, he just ran two bases. He got back to home. No, it's because all that work that got him to the point where he could start off on second base or she could. All right. So bottom line, it takes a lot of work to make it look easy. Yeah. A lot of work to make it look easy. So you got to put in the work. Yeah. So don't draw the wrong conclusion from a hit song that's written in 20 minutes. And can Another, I also add that just because, yeah. you, you know, just because they could doesn't mean they should. <laughs> write a song in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you, if you, if it, the bottom line is, is, is it good or not? You know, does it yeah. work? Does it, does mm-hmm. it, is, is it well done? If it's not well done, then it, I got a quick question for you though. Like, yeah. When does it become a reality in your mind when you're writing a song? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. that you've hit a speed bump that's worth shutting her down for the day and coming back to it again tomorrow. Cause I'm sure you've got like a bag of tricks that you use when you hit some sort of little block and it's not happening. And so you do this or this or this or this, and then you're trying to just sort of get some sort of energy flowing to the second verse or whatever, because the first verse is done Mm -hmm. and you got to make the problem is the first verse is great. So you got to make the second verse as cool as the first verse. And now you're like, ah, what, like, when do you know it's time to say, walk away and say, you know what, like, like you did with Monday morning church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And part of that with Monday morning church was I wrote the first draft of that lyric and probably, I mean, it's been so long now that probably in a session, maybe two sessions or whatever I was writing by myself. It was a couple of years later, whatever, it's 2001. Uh, so I started in 99 and like 2001. I went back and looked at it. I was like, I think the second verse can be stronger. And mm-hmm. so I just looked at it with fresh eyes. I was like, I think I can beat that first verse. And I wish I had what that first verse was. I don't have it anymore. But rewrote the second verse. And then it was that was shortly before I showed it to Aaron. And then she ran with it. She worked on it on her own, I think. And so when we got together, she's like, I got this. I got this chorus or this this melody and she made a couple lyrical tweaks or whatever and changed the gender of it and stuff. And she played it for me. So I think that's how that one, like we never, I don't think we really ever worked in the room together on it much at all. Okay. Different way of working on it too. Yeah. Some of the other stuff I mentioned, the the Randy Travis cut, we wrote that in the room based on a title. Didn't really have a concept yet. Crickets title, no concept worked on in the room together, three of us. So it's, it works different ways. So as far as like, when do I know to shut her down? And that rarely happens these days. I mean, sometimes we kind of get to the point where we get through a draft. We're like, okay, we need to live with this. So we know yeah. we need to live with it before we really call it great or whatever, you know, cause you know how my feelings on calling your own stuff. Great. So, um, and so we'll come back to it and see, you'll put it away for a little bit, come back with fresh eyes, see if some stuff kind of bugs us. So these days it's more a matter of maybe just the clock says it's time we got to go. Yeah. So uh, I know a couple of weeks ago I had a bunch of co-writes in one week and the first one took us a, the most of the time was just finding the right, the right angle. I mean, we were writing uh, my buddy Todd and new buddy of mine, Les, and I were working on this song. I brought in this title and, and we we're working on it and it did hit. It was like, something's not clicking here something's not working, something in the idea is broken or the presentation where something's, and you just kind of feel this resistance. Like it's not feeling great. There's something we're having a little trouble wrapping our heads around with hundred percent clarity. 
that also feels compelling. And so we end up just kind of bailing on that idea and going, well, what about this other idea? We're like, oh, that's good. Let's run with that. So we actually shut it down and said, I may come back to that idea at some point in the future. It's one I brought in. If I can figure <laughs> out how to wrap my head around it. How do we know? Just the three of us, none of us were quite 100% clear on why this was compelling. And we could, we could have written it and it would have made sense. But there's something in the fact that all of us have been writing songs long enough to go, something not quite compelling enough about this. This doesn't feel like it's going to hit the target. The target right. we ended up for the song, which is like, let's write a Rascal Flats number one. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something in this idea, and it's really hard to, and it would be different for a different song, right? But for this one, this particular roadblock, we're like, this may be, this poison pill may be just baked into it. Right. No matter how well we write it, it's still going to be an ingredient that's going to kill the song. Mm-hmm. And not let it be what it could do, not let it be quite thoroughbred enough, you know? It was just born with this limp from the beginning. You know, came out the womb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe nothing we can do about it. So that's more the case these days. And then we just ran out of time. We, you know, dude had to go to work or whatever. You know, we had a different stuff going on or had another appointment. So uh, that's more the case these days. And then just like, we're stumped. Let's put it away. You're just like, we get a draft up. We're like, let's live with that. See, see what hits us mm-hmm. is, is more what it is. But, um, so back to the warnings, like two warnings. First one is to avoid shallow thinking. So I can write in 20 minutes and that's fine. I'm just going to skip right over the top of it. The other is to avoid analysis paralysis. So on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you overthink your song and you beat it to death in your head so much that you never finish it. You second guess every syllable. You third guess it. You fourth guess it, whatever. You know, at the end of the day, for you, maybe you need to practice calling some songs done. You know, Seth Godin would say you need a ship, you know, maybe you're overthinking your songs because you're scared of actually calling them done. And so then you have to put them in the world where they might fail, whatever failure means to you. You know, maybe your mom doesn't like your girlfriend doesn't like your band doesn't like it. Maybe you're avoiding something by refusing to finish the song. That's something you need to take a look at. Is that what it maybe is for you? Is that if I call it done and it's not perfect, then I failed. I've had clients like that in the past. Yeah. Where I've had to talk them out of like demoing a song again. I'm like, why? Well, I changed a couple words. I'm like, what words? <laughs> and yeah. Like, from and and the uh, and like nothing. Nothing's really substantive. Nothing substantive at all. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to take your money. <laughs> <laughs> this one's yeah. done. And you know what? That that word might change. Like that's that's a non-substantive word that the singer will figure sometimes, it out. Yeah, they'll they'll change it. Like they'll sing it just the way they sing it. And yeah. you know what? It still doesn't change the meaning of the, of the line. And mm-hmm. so they're going to keep it in there because the take was good. Yeah. And, and yeah. that stuff happens like, dude, it's like, stop changing the, like, just move on to another song. Like yeah, literally for years, like they keep coming back. You know? Yeah. You're avoiding calling it done. So then you have to do something about it. Cause now yeah. what do you do with it? Oh, I need to pitch now this. Now time for it to be judged. Put it out. It's time for, exactly. So I think in those cases, you need to practice just blasting through some songs. Set a, maybe in that case, you need to set a timer. You know, I yeah. remember, uh, this is years ago where uh, my buddies, Tim Meitzen, Matt Klein and Matt Dame and I were getting together at Tim's house out in Centerville, Tennessee. And, you know, we're just getting together and hanging out. Let's write some songs. And we did this thing where we broke up in like pairs. Like we're going to set a clock for 30 minutes, go write a song, come back. We'll play for each other. 
just to practice blasting one out. Yeah. And they weren't great. <laughs> you know, nothing, uh, you know, that we ever demoed or pitched or anything, but you know, there's some value in that of, of getting over the analysis paralysis. Cause yeah, yeah there are plenty of times I'll take over 30 minutes just to find the idea. Yeah. You know, there's, there's an exercise I do uh, every week and hopefully, you know, several days a week I, that I'll get one of the titles off my, you know, title, unwritten title list, my hookbook. And I'm saying, okay, I'm setting the timer for 10 minutes and I'm just going to riff on this for 10 minutes. Basically do my own song title challenge. I was going to say, just like song minutes. title challenge. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I came up with the idea was tr- I got so much value out of doing those. Like I need to do that for my own stuff. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I figured out a way to kind of do it for my own, for my own songs, for my own titles. And then you're just, the, the goal is how, how much can I riff on this in 10 minutes? And so I'm not trying to write the lyric, but sometimes I'll work on a course or whatever, but it's not about perfection. It's about process. It's about going, getting the, getting words out. And so maybe you need something like that. If you're one of those people that never finishes a song, you just need to sacrifice a cup and go, okay, I want to write this sucker in 30 minutes and call it done. And it's done. And I'm moving on to the next one. Yeah. And you're probably not going to get your best work that way, but you, you can't just stare at a song for years and years and never go on to the next one. Because the example about the house that built me that wasn't built in a day, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Douglas and Alan Shamblin were writing other songs. They finished a bunch of songs from the time they started the house that built me to the time they finished it. <laughs> that yeah. wasn't the only song they were working on for eight years. Yeah. They finished plenty of other songs and got plenty of other cuts. Yeah. But, you know, so that was a case that they just knew that some, they weren't getting the response they wanted, but they knew something and it was gold. Mm-hmm. So they would go back and they'd work on it some more. It was worth the belaboring next that one. Yeah. Do what? It was worth belaboring that one. To- that one, because there's something in there that they felt was worth the work. And, and so that's part of it for me, too, is I don't have to finish everything I start. Like the example about the one Todd and Les, you know, threw out this idea. It was my idea. But something about it is like, mm, I'm not feeling this. Something's not ready for this to be written yet. And it may never be. It may just be like, that's interesting, but it's like nine tenths of an idea. It's not all the way there yet. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of just trying to beat a dead horse, let's go on to the, here's another idea. And there, it's interesting. There are plenty of examples of that on Music Row. I hear a lot with like Ashley Gorley and some of those people. They'll, they'll be in the middle of writing a song and somebody will say something. And they go, oh, we're writing that. And Let's they'll write that. Yeah. the song that they were writing and they'll go and write that other thing that just fell out. Yeah. And then they'll, I think a lot of times they go back and they finish the other one. Sometimes they both get cut, but usually it's the one they dropped everything for. Yeah. And said, Oh, oh my gosh, about energy no, that's a different song. We're going to write that. A lot of times that's the one that gets cut. Yeah. So the thing is, there's no, there's no one answer. You got to find what works for you. You know, You'll never reach your songwriting goals if you don't finish some dang songs, okay? So just finish a few and let them go if you are suffer from analysis paralysis. You're never going to reach your goals if you don't. And you're not going to learn anything. <clears throat> like if you just – like this one writer I was telling you about, I'm pretty sure this person had a handful of songs. That's it. Mm-hmm. And they've been rewriting them forever and ever and ever, like years and years and years. Uh-huh. And- because if uh, I don't get these done perfect, I'm not going to move on to the next ones. But to yeah. your, but then you're, <clears throat> you're not learning. You're not, 
Um, you're not getting your 10,000 or as David Lee Ross said, 30 or 40,000 hours in. Well, you are, but you're only doing it on like 30 songs. Yeah, but so it's <laughs> just fail, right? Not it's not, you're not no new pitches. There's no new right. play. No new nothing. And it's, it's like, not helpful. Yeah, it's not helpful at all. And maybe, maybe you go and write 50 other songs other than that one that's got you hung up and you come back to the one that's got you hung up and then you're going to be like, oh, this is what was wrong with it the whole time. Like, or you go, oh, wait. I don't even know because even Once if I fall shit, about, you yeah. know what it still is. Here's why I was having a problem writing it because this doesn't need to be written. It's this doesn't need to be written, right? And that's what we did on that on that one song that we said, you know, let's okay, let's write something else. And I, you know, went to the bathroom, and as often happens, you think of another idea in there, like, oh, well, I got this other idea. Why don't we throw this out? You're like, oh yeah, that's great. Okay, let's write that. Yeah. And, yeah. we're, and we're working on that and saying we're going to try and finish it up tonight, actually. So we're going to work on it tonight. And, you know, you, so some of it you just learn by doing that. Yeah. yeah you're never going to get reach your songwriting goals if you don't finish some songs. But at the same time, you sometimes you need to just call them finished or done, put them back on the shelf and go write the next one. It's, you know, it's a balance. And, and sometimes, you know, it's not about just writing 20 minute songs. Sometimes you need to put a lot more work into it. I mean, I don't think I've ever written a song in like 20 minutes unless it was just a, let's just blast one out. I've never done my best work in less than an hour. I have. I've written a couple in 20 minutes. One of them really sucked. One of them was like really good. Um, There you go. And it was like a blessing. You know what I mean? It just kind of came to me. But But that's not what you'd build a career on. No, not at all. And And I never went in with any kind of expectations like that. Yeah. You know, um, I just was like, let's just try to be as good as we can be. And even then, looking back at myself now, I would consider myself lazy. Like, I, I didn't do a good enough job. I could have done better. If I, if I was more focused on lyrics and kind of mm. didn't have to be in the, the gig that I had. Yeah. <laughs> you could be as tight as you wanted to be in hair bands and get away with it. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> look good. Just look good when you're singing. It's all, everything's going to happen. Well, it's so much about the live show. You're kind yeah. of a different thing, too, I think. But, and the thing is, man, whether you, either way you write, whether you write fast, you write slow, or you bounce back and forth, nobody really cares. They only care if your song knocks their socks off. And that's all. You know, then they'll be curious how long it took you to write it. Yeah. That's right. No one hears bad songs. Like, so tell me about the process. How'd you write that? What do you, you know, unless they're coaching you and they're trying to figure out where you're screwing up. Right? <laughs> you know, so you do you and you'll do just fine. And, that, and that's the thing. And, and try some different ways of doing it to see what gets your best results don't think that the way you've been doing it is necessarily the get you your best results if you haven't tried any other processes for that that's right man i'll tell you what like i i think if you're not writing like a bunch of songs and you're just hung up on one or two that you want to get perfect and you have that analysis by paralysis that you are screwing yourself because you're get you're missing a whole lot of perspective that's available out there mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I remember, I think I've talked about this before in the podcast, but Sheila Davis's book, mm-hmm. The Craft of Lyric Writing, mm-hmm. Odie suggested that to me. Okay. And so I went and I got it. I wrote it. I read it. And I got into song structures, which I hadn't, as stupid as this sounds, I hadn't paid attention to, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, had, like I was doing them sometimes, yeah. very instinctually mm-hmm. yeah because you heard so many songs that were structured yeah your whole life <clears throat> but i hadn't articulated like what the different kinds of song structures there were mm-hmm. and so i had a bunch of songs that were hung up 
and I just hadn't finished him. And I remember reading that book, but because I'd written all these other songs and I had done all this stuff, all of a sudden, it, when I heard the songs and I saw the song structure, I was like, oh, and then she gives examples, you know, like mm-hmm. this is a triple A song. This is an ABAB song, you know, yeah. blowing in the wind from Bob. I was like, oh, oh, of course. And then just like that, like I went back and finished all these songs. You know why they weren't finished? Because I, I wasn't educated enough Yeah. because I, I was trying to, I was trying to, to make something that it wasn't. I was trying to turn a triple A song into an ABAB song and wondering why I was having problems doing it. Yeah. When it was very clear, like, Hey moron, like <laughs> this, is what, <laughs> this is a round hole. Uh, open your eyes and take a look at what you're trying to do. You know? Yeah. And then it was like, Oh, and so sometimes like straight up, like I, I, that was an eye-opening experience. I was like, "Well, man, like if I didn't read that book, right? If I hadn't written these other songs to know kind of how to recognize it, mm-hmm. that you know what I mean? Then, then all of a sudden, it all made sense, and you're able to go and put some of that stuff together, you know? Yeah. So, so cool. So at the end of the day, you do you, and you'll do fine. Yeah. Dig into your song, but don't get analysis paralysis. Yep. No one cares how long it took you to write. They only care if it's great. That's right. That's what matters at the end of the day. And sometimes your great song is not the one you write. It's the next one you're going to write. And don't trip on the songs that you think suck. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, look at Kim Treble, right? Come up, yeah, mm-hmm. but don't worry about it. Most of them suck. You know, like, yeah. okay. Or John and Paul from the Beatles. Yeah. First 50 mm-hmm. songs we wrote suck. Mm-hmm. And it took us a while to kind of get together and figure out how to, you know, how to, how to make that work. Just knowing that it's a it's just a process, right? It's a yeah. process. You're not everyone's not gonna be awesome. I mean, I should who cares? Just pull out some of my old stuff, you know, and be like, well, look at this bad songwriting. I wonder what it is. <laughs> right. I'm right around here somewhere. Are you gonna do it right now? Oh, he's gonna do it. <laughs> if I can find it, where's my notebooks? Oh, it's in the closet. Hold on one second. I'm right. back. Get I'm gonna pause this for a second. Get it. Pause. No, no. You're gonna keep talking, Johnny. Keep, talking. keep on talking. Yeah, you don't have to keep on talking. <laughs> but uh, okay, so Brent right now is off screen, going into the closet to get a book to show us some crappy songs that he has written. This is gonna be so awesome. I can't wait to hear what he's gonna say. I can't wait to hear what he used to write. Don't you want to know? I want to know. <laughs> oh, here he is. He's coming back. Looking through an old book there. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm back. All right, so I found a book of my old lyrics. This is from April 15th, 1993. So this is the first one I have in there. So this is 93, y'all. So this is going on, what, 26 years? Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to hear this right now. <laughs> okay, this one. It's a Baxter original. Never, never had a melody to put to it. Another Man on Your Mind. Verse, looking back on that day long ago, when I first saw you, how was I to know that though we'd spend time and get to know each other while my thoughts were on you, yours were on another. Chorus, there's another man on your mind. Are you with me just to be kind? I looked in your eyes and what did I find? Just another man on your mind. Next verse. (laughs) I still see, I still smile when I see you now and then. My heart is guarded, but you still get in. I make sure to smile and keep it light the better to keep my feelings out of sight. I don't need to be told what I know is true. There can't be love when I'm second best to you. Course, repeat. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The thank you is not part of the lyric, but I'm just, I know you're also thankful that, uh, that I shared that with you. 
So yeah, there we go. I liked a girl. She liked a, I liked a girl. She liked a different guy. So I read about it. So yes, trite. You love her and she loves him. So there you go. So uh, you just can't win. (laughs) I got a lot of bad songs. Don't worry about it. You'll move past it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All right. So uh, yeah, go ahead, Johnny. What's that? Oh, I was going to close her down. Do you have no, something? Well, I was just going to say one more thing. I was going to say, like, um, through the through the luxury, if you will, of the catastrophe of migrating a website, which I migrated from like this one server to another server mm-hmm. that I host it with, and they screwed it up. It's like something something weird happened, and so a bunch of my first blogs mm-hmm. like are gone. Like they're yeah. gone, and some of the other ones are like. I want to use the word pixelated, but they're not pixelated because visually it's fine, but they're, there's weird. There's not, there's not letters like where they're supposed to be or mm. punctuation where it's supposed to be. There's something else. There's like a, like a, like an icon or a, a, oh, yeah. a picture mm. or something. It's weird. It's yeah. unreadable. And, and I have to go back and redo it, but I'm kind of happy about that because the, if I go back and read like my first blog, compared to like the last blog I did, it's night and day, you know, yeah. because you just kind of find that groove that, that becomes you with the writing and stuff. So it's, it's uh, it really is just about just crank it out, just keep cranking it out and you'll start to really get a perspective on, you'll know when you're done, you're like that's a B song. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, song. it takes a while to get to that point, but yeah. yeah. That's all. All right, y'all, as, as uh, a reward for sticking it out and listening to my first lyric, uh, I have a gift for you. It's called Think Like a Pro Songwriter. It's a free ebook, and it just shares some of what I've learned in my however long now I've been in the music business. Um, you can get it for free. You can download it at giftfrombrent.com. Just tell me where to send it. I email it right out to you and just have some helpful stuff in there like how to, how to song, how do pros know who's looking for songs so we can get songs to them how you can get on a publish, music publisher's radar, that kind of stuff. So it's helpful stuff if you want to turn pro, giftfrombrent.com. There you go, guys. So it brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Join the Climb community. If you haven't done it, subscribe to the podcast so you get all the episodes in there and you don't have to worry about what we're marketing to you. Take 30 seconds, leave a rating and review. We'll read it on the air. We'll make you famous. And then finally, if it's touching you, if it's giving you the feels, if you're learning, if you're inspired, if you're, if you're entertained, then please tell people about it. Put it out on your social media. Tell a friend because we're, the only reason we're doing this is so we can reach people. We want you to win. And that's why we want you to keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.